Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Hey, I am super excited to introduce our guest speaker today. Uh, We've been in this series called Marked by Jesus, where we are walking through the book of Mark verse by verse. It's a two-year journey. We started in January, so we're getting close to a year uh, walking through this book of the Bible. And what I love is that sometimes I'll invite friends to speak, and uh, they're always excited to jump into this series, to continue in this gospel of Mark. And so I have the opportunity to introduce our guest speaker today, Joseph Cisak. Joseph was the lead pastor of Center of Praise here in Midtown for the last four years. Currently in a little season of transition. He's going to talk to you more about that. But uh, man, he's a great friend of mine, a great teacher of God's Word, and I'm so excited to have you hear from him today. So can you give a big old Project Church welcome to my friend, Pastor Joseph Cisak. Come on. Hello, hello, Project Church. Good to see you all today. Can you clap your hands for Pastor Caleb? Come on, give it up for your amazing pastor and his wife and really the entire team here at Project Church. You all have been amazing and just been uh, so hospitable and welcoming to me and my family. So I commend all of you all. Clap your hands for yourselves. Amen. Got some great things going on. And I don't know if my wife and kids are still in here. They just went out. Oh, okay. See, they just left, but I'm thankful that they were here. But I got some family here, so amen. (laughs) Love you all. Good to see you all. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm honored to be here with you, honored to share in the word of the Lord with you. Uh, I'm excited for Project Church and what you all are doing. Uh, Caleb and I, I don't know if he remembers, but we played basketball together in the the, uh, activity center at Capital Christian Center years ago, and he, you know, probably dunked on me or something, but, you know, um, but uh, I'm so proud of him and and just what God is doing through uh, this ministry. I've said so many times from the pulpit, I'm under construction. Please pray for me, right? We're all a work in progress. And so the vision of Project Church really embodies that because as scripture says, I believe it's in Ephesians, we are God's handiwork. We are his workmanship. And so it's important that we stay in that progress and and, and process of of the the great carpenter that's doing a work in our lives. So I'm excited for you all. New building, just great things that are are happening. And uh, I'm going to be praying and celebrating all that God is doing. Um, As was said, I'm the former pastor of Center of Praise. I was there a total for about seven years, uh, senior pastor for about four and a half years, and recently the Lord transitioned me from that for mainly to spend more time with my family, but also to spend more time really focused on the gift that he's given me to teach the Word of God, and so I'm honored uh, for that gift and to be able to use it to uh, reach people and to encourage people in discipleship and growth. I've got a new ministry I'm working on. It's called Factor Points, where uh, I've got a podcast and web Website that I'm putting together. Amen. Thank you. And uh, you can find it, the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or any of those sources if you just put in factor points with no space in between the words. And I'm um, really excited about what the Lord is doing with that. I'm uh, working on a few books I'm, I'm hoping to, to release uh, very soon. So uh, God is still at work, and I'm honored to be uh, a part of the work of the kingdom still. Amen. Praise the Lord. You all ready for the word? 
All right, join me in a word of prayer, and as I always like to say, I want to tell you what God told me, amen. Father in heaven, we thank you. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for who you are and all that you have done and are doing. Thank you for the praise and worship that went forth in this place, Lord God, and we thank you now for your word coming forth through our hearts and our minds. We thank you that our hearts would be prepared as the good ground. Your word would be the seed that would be sown into us and produce in us Christ-likeness and godly character. I pray that not one person would leave the same way they came in because there's power in your word and your spirit that's working in us all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I love the title of the series that you all are doing called Marked because I don't know about you, when you encounter Jesus, he changes you. He marks your life. And so he's done that in, in my life, I believe in so many others that are here. And one of the ways you know it is that if you ever find yourself getting off course, you know, and, and maybe getting involved, just, just even for a brief moment, you know, of maybe trying to go back to the way you used to be and all of that, because you're marked by Jesus, it's hard, right? That's a good thing. It should be hard for you to go back to your pre-Jesus days, right? Because when you're marked by Jesus, there's this thing called conviction that just kicks in, and you're like, uh-oh, nope, I'm not supposed to be there. I'm not supposed to think that. I'm not supposed to do that. That means you've been marked. Tell your neighbor you've been marked. <laughs> what does it mean? It means God's got his hand on your life means he's got a purpose for you, means, means you know too much now to go back. <laughs> Amen? That's a good thing. You just, just, just forget about it, all right? Forget about going back to who you used to be. You know too much. He's done too much in you, through you, for you. He's, he's put too much in you for you to look forward to a future that's beyond anything you've ever known in your past. And so I'm excited to be a part of this. I love that you all are going verse by verse through the book of Mark. Sometimes we, and I'm not saying there's no benefit in this, in reading the word and just going through, you know, Bible uh, reading plans, reading the whole Bible in a year. There's great benefit to that. But there's also great benefits, as Scripture says, uh, study to show yourself approved. Everyone say study. When we study, we slow down, we dig a little deeper, we ask questions, we allow the, the Holy Spirit to not just, for us to not just read the word, but for us to also have some discussion with the author of the word. Amen? That's a beautiful thing. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 5 and verse 1 through verse 20. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, and it says this. It says, they came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes, when he got out of the boat, Jesus got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God, not, do not torment me. For he, was, he had been saying to him, Jesus had already been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking, what is your name? And he said to him, he said to Jesus, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. And the demons implored him, saying, send us into the swine so that, they, so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, 
the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Verse 14, their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and the country, and the people came to see what it, what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed in his right mind. Watch this, clothed. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Put some clothes on. Clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had a legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it happened, and the demon-possessed man, and all about the swine. Verse 17, and they began to implore him to leave the region. And he was, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him, but he said to him, go, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Say amen for the word. Praise the Lord. I want to dive right into this. My title for today is, say it with me, say a man, a legion, and a savior. I, I, as I read this and as I was studying and preparing for this, a question came to my mind, and it was, it was this. I think it's fair to ask that if the demons knew who Jesus was and they knew that he had dominion and power over them, why did they run towards him instead of running, running away from him? Doesn't it make sense if the demons are trying to stay where they are and, and not get cast out and so on and so forth? They've got the mountains. They've got the caves and the tombs. They could have ran the opposite direction and hid from Jesus. Why was it so immediate that this man, who was seemingly under supernatural control of a legion of demons, why is it that he came to Jesus. I want you to understand something. Legion, if, if you were to search it out and look at the, what a legion equates to in terms of Roman soldiers, in terms of Roman soldiers, it, it typically equated to about 6,000 soldiers. Somebody say, dang. He's got a legion inside of him, right? It's a big deal to have one demon in you. Come on, somebody. They, they make movies on, you know, one demon, you know, terrorizing. There's a horror film and all of that on one person, one demon. He's got anywhere from three to 6,000 demons on the inside of him. And yet, when Jesus shows up, the power that they have, and it just, it's just practical to me that demons don't run to Jesus, Yet that's what we see unfold here. You've got a man whose the, the, the demonic presence on the inside of him has so much power that he can't be quieted. He can't be contained. But yet when Jesus shows up, he's got enough control to run to the feet of Jesus. That poses a question in my mind. Perhaps the answer is this. Perhaps that even though his life had become such an absolute mess, if you've got 3,000 demons in you, you got a mess going on. Okay, if you butt naked <laughs> and you live in the tombs and the caves and you are screaming day and night and the people who are trying to help you, they can't contain you. They can't put ropes on you. You break them. They can't put chains on them. You break them. They can't put shackles on you. You break them. You are you the hottest of hot messes. <laughs> okay. And 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 so I just find it interesting that, that he runs to Jesus, maybe the situation is this, that, that at the thought of being in the presence of Jesus, 
and the possibility of deliverance and freedom, he used what bit of control he had not to cut himself again, not to scream again, but to get in the presence of Jesus and bow down. I think as soon as Jesus showed up, this was a glimmer of hope, and he acted on it. I'll talk more about it in a minute. There are three powers that I see that are at work here. But, but please, can we agree, demons don't run to Jesus. Demons run from Jesus. Yet that's not how this story unfolds. Here are the three powers at work. Number one, the power of the man. Everybody say the man. He's got a little bit of power, and what is he doing with this little left that he has left over? I think he's cutting himself. He's gashing himself. He's running from other people that are trying to help him. Can you imagine they send out these search parties to find Crazy Joe? Okay, I'll just call him Crazy Joe. My name is Joe, okay, or Joseph. He, he's out in the tomb. And understand, when it says out in the tombs, we're not talking about the cemetery that we might think of with flat land, with tombstones and all that. No, we're talking cavernous, mountainous areas with caves in the mountains. He's going in and out of these caves where dead bodies are and so forth. He lives there in the cold, dark tombs and when he screams in them it echoes and amplifies his scream out into the into the surrounding area and so forth and they frequently have sent out people to try to help him and they have failed if you know anything about uh, mental health and people that are schizophrenic or, or have dealt with severe mental health issues and so forth and think that something is possessing them and, and, or inside of them, sometimes cutting themselves is, the, is a way of trying to get out of them what they think is in them. See, I think what he's doing, I think he's cutting himself, trying to free himself from what he knows is possessing him, and it's not working, okay? He's also using what, what measure of power he has to run from other people, but on the day that Jesus shows up, what little power he has, he uses it to get to the feet of Jesus. And what's motivating him, he's desperate. You got 3,000 demons and you desperate, you need some help. In Jesus' name, amen. Number two, the second power is this, the power of the demons, the legion that's on the inside of him. How are we seeing their power being demonstrated? You could say the cutting himself was one way also. The screaming and the tormenting of the man and of other people is also uh, uh, powerful. I think there's some intimidating factors here. If you put a rope on a guy and he breaks it, okay, you say, okay, that, that wasn't strong enough. You put a chain on a guy and he breaks that and the shackles, you know you're dealing with something unnatural. And I think it's intimidating. Can you imagine multiple people chasing him down, holding him down long enough, get his feet, get his arms, get his leg, get this, get that, while he's yelling his, and screaming his head off, while they wrap, you know, chains around his wrists and his arms and put shackles on him, only for him to get up and just hulk out on him and just break it. You're just like, oh, we can't, we can't do nothing for this guy. He's breaking chains. He's breaking shackles. I don't know about you. That's intimidating to try to face what's on the inside of him. It's intimidating. It's tormenting. And it instills fear and violence, not only in him, but in all the other people that are witnessing it. And when you're facing that level of intimidation, it can lead to hopelessness. And that's what I think is happening with him, those who know him, those who have tried to help him in the past. The third power, most important power, is this, the power of God. And what do we see unfolding with the power of God? Well, first of all, the willingness of Jesus to get in the boat, to go across the sea, to get to one person in need. Somebody say he's willing. He's willing. 
Watch this. Say this with me. Say, he's powerful and he's willing. Okay, he won't just leave you on the other side. He's willing to bring his power to where you are. I thank God for that. The second thing is we see he takes his power and he confronts the enemy with his power. Okay, see, there, at this point, there are people that don't want nothing to do with this guy. Why? They've tried. It failed. They're intimidated. He's a hopeless case. But a hopeless case for everybody else, there's always hope in Jesus. Amen. Scripture says all things with men, it is impossible, but all things are possible with God. He's willing to confront the enemy with his power. And then he demonstrates his power. And what does he demonstrate? That his power is the ultimate power. His power is the highest power. You know, in kingdom talk, they, we, you, you talk to a king, you say, your highness. But when you talk to God, it's not just your highness. It's your most highness. Y'all get that? It means there's nobody higher than him. And Jesus demonstrates that he is the most high by how he performs this miracle for this man who's been possessed. While this man was alone, the power that he had was outmatched by the power of the legion that was in him. Natural chains can never contain a supernatural power. You got to understand that. There, there are a lot of problems in our nation right now. I mean, we top, top to bottom in our nation, our state, our city. There are big problems that we're facing. But we believers, the church has to understand many of these problems have a spiritual root to them, a spiritual source. And we can't solve a spiritual problem with natural fixes. All right. So what do you do? You need a higher supernatural power. To solve the supernatural problem. I'll put it to you this way. We don't have a political problem. We don't have an economic problem. We, and we don't have a social justice problem. First and foremost, we got a cardiovascular problem. We got heart problems in the United States. Amen. It's a spiritual problem. And the good news is we know the cardiovascular surgeon. As there are those that need a transplant. There are those that need a bypass. And Jesus is the, so, is the, is the, is the surgeon for all of them. Amen. See, uh, come on, y'all. Have we not been here before politically in terms of, you know, the, the cycles and the issues and that they campaign on and so on and so forth? Listen, solving the problems of the day is not, first and foremost, a political issue. It's a spiritual issue. That puts it in our wheelhouse. It's up to the church. But you know what I find that that's, that's unfortunately pretty frequent in the church today? It's as though the demons know more about our Jesus than we do. When Jesus showed up, the demons were like, oh, it's Jesus, son of the most high God. Don't care. I mean, they just verbalized everything that he is, that he can do. Many times with the church, we're like, oh, my God, what? We're confused about what God's will is, his plan is, his purpose is. Did y'all hear that? Demons seem to have it better figured out than the church often does. What the plan and purpose of God is. Okay. Oh, that's good. Let's keep going. <laughs> Can I encourage you today? Listen, wh whether, you're, whether you're facing a pesky thorn in the side, as Paul talks about in Corinthians, or whether it seems like all hell is breaking loose against you, take whatever strength and effort you have left over and give it to Jesus. This is what I believe happens with this man, okay? And see, can I, I'm real, you know, visual. As I, as I read the word of God, I just imagine things in my mind and how it may have out, uh, uh, unfolded. And I imagine him in the cave again, you know, and, and, and what is he? I imagine him about to maybe about to gash himself again, cut himself again, one, one more effort to try to get these spirits out of him. And right before he does it, he looks and he sees Jesus 
pulling up with, with the boat with his disciples and stepping out. Now watch this. See, so you got to understand, the man is still in there somewhere. All right? He's still in there somewhere. There are three, th three to 6,000 demons in him as well. He's still in there somewhere. I like the way scripture depicts it. The man came and he said, but then we really understand it wasn't the man talking. It was the spirits talking through him. But you know what I believe happened? See, when other people came to try to help him, the demons were like, ha, ha, whatever. Yeah, we, we, know, we know we can break the chains. We know we can overpower you. The demons weren't threatened by anybody else that came. But the day Jesus showed up, all of a sudden, the man felt something different on the inside. All of a sudden, the demons on the inside, of, what, is, what does Scripture say? Scripture says they tremble, they shake with fear at the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, now listen, if they tremble and shake at the name of Jesus, what do you think they do in the presence of Jesus? So I think, I think when he saw Jesus, he felt something, uh-oh, and it was different. He was like, wait a minute, y'all scared. Y'all, he didn't even know who the man was. Y'all scared of him? And all of a sudden, he had just enough clarity. He had just enough strength to get his feet to right where Jesus was. No matter how many times others have tried and failed, one encounter with Jesus can change everything. Listen, somebody say, stand the fight. Say, don't give up. No matter how many times you've tried and failed to, to work on the marriage, to, listen, praying for a child that's, that's gone astray, if you will, that's living uh, a certain way or, or, or you're, you're praying for them, you're, you're, you're worried about them, concerned about, listen, I'm not just talking about their life, their future, their career. I'm, I'm talking about their, their, their life, right? Some parents are concerned about their children living and surviving. Don't give up. No, you tried. No, you tried a whole lot of things for a long time. And listen, you, listen, trying and failing and trying and failing can wear us out. It can exhaust us to the point where we say, I got nothing left. But you know what? It, obviously, you got something left. You came to church today. <laughs> if you got enough to get to the feet of Jesus, can I tell you something? It's no small thing to get to the feet of Jesus. To get to the feet of Jesus is a big deal. To get to the feet of Jesus is a game changer. Amen? There's always hope in Jesus. And be encouraged, there's always grace to get to Jesus. See, many times when we find ourselves in a desperate place, we lean into things that are not good for us. Right? When we're desperate, emotionally, many of us, we lean into depression. We lean into anxiety. We lean into things that are unhealthy. We lean into pornography. We lean into alcoholism. We lean into a bad relationship. No, no. Listen, those things, it's like cutting yourself. It's like reaching for the next, oh, my goodness. It's like reaching for the next stone, thinking that the next cut is somehow going to make you feel better. The next drink is not going to make you feel better. Well, I'll put it to you this way. Don't do something that makes you feel better. Do something that makes you feel better about yourself. Does that make sense? Let me break it down a little further. Getting drunk, wasted, might make you, might drown away the depression and the this and the that. It might make you feel better for a moment, but it makes you feel bad about yourself. 
But if you take that same energy and instead of reaching to the computer screen and reaching for the bottle or reaching for a pill and reaching for all these other things and reach for Jesus, (laughs) he embraces you and says, I love you. I accept you as you are. you are. You belong to God. Feel better about who I say you are, not just about what your emotions tell you. See, I believe Jesus got a big agenda here. His agenda is not just to get this man delivered. And it's so interesting in the story in verse 18, it says this, as he was getting into the boat. Why was Jesus getting into the boat? Because they asked him to leave. (laughs) Isn't this interesting? He just just delivered this man who's been demon-possessed for years, right? I mean, he's been butt naked, screaming, cutting for years. And Jesus, with a, in one moment, with a word, set him free. You would think they would be like, Jesus, you are the man. Instead, they're saying, Jesus, could you please leave? Why are they asking Jesus to leave? Well, I think it has something to do with the pigs that ran off the cliff. Because somebody owned those pigs. The herdsmen. The herdsmen, this was their business. They raised pigs. And so those pigs, those 2,000 pigs, who knows how much money that represented running off the cliff. Now, see, here's what you need to do. If you lose the profit from the pigs, go talk to Jesus about it. Don't just ask him to leave. He's Jesus. Come on, y'all. What do, you, what do we know about Jesus when it comes to money, right? Peter, can you go fishing? Are you going to find a fish? He could have hooked them herdsmen up. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I think he could have hooked them up like that. But instead of them having a conversation with Jesus, they're just flipping out. Can you please leave? Right? And I, I, I find it very interesting that Jesus doesn't argue with them. We don't hear he could do no, not many miracles. We don't hear that, that said about this scene. We see Jesus just accommodating. Okay, I'm out. I'm getting in the boat. And then the man wants to go with him, it says in verse 18. It says, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. Jesus said to him, in essence, no, go home to your people. Everybody say, your people. And report to them what great things the Lund has done for you and how he had mercy on you. See, this was the plan in the first place. The plan was not for this man to become his 13th disciple. The plan was for this man to go back to his people and give testimony and witness of what the Lord has done for him. And look, see, can I tell you something? There's a story behind this mess. There's a, see, see I, there's something happens with me, still does, and it has for years. When I see uh, uh, homeless people, when I see people begging and so on and so forth, I don't just see the, the person in the moment. In, in, my, in my heart, in my mind, I think back to who they possibly used to be. I think back to their childhood. I, and literally, sometimes I picture in my mind, I wonder what they look like as a child. I wonder what they used to aspire to and dream about in third grade when they did those little projects of when I grow up. I guarantee you it was not to be homeless and have mental health issues and be begging on the street. There's a story behind every sign. There's a person holding every sign. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter. There's a story behind how they got there. And there's a story. See, see. sometimes I think we, it's, it's not just about the subtitles in our Bibles, the, the Gerasene demoniac. This the Gerasene demoniac is somebody's son. And I would argue that he might even be somebody's husband. He might even be somebody's father. In Luke chapter 8, in verse uh, 39, it says this. Then Luke's recount of the story, it says this. Return to your house 
and describe what great things God has done for you. Wait a minute. He got a house? I thought he lived in the tombs before he got to the tombs. See, look, before, see, we don't know what opened the door for the enemy to come in, but before the enemy to come in, this was a normal man. This was a family. Listen, if he had a house, he had a job. Talk to me, somebody. Come on. He got a house. He got a job. Chances are in that culture, if he got a house, see, it's his house. That means he's, he's, you don't leave your parents' house until you, got, until you get married. Then you have your own house. So chances are he has a wife. He might even have kids. He's got his own house. You've got to understand there's a story behind what you're seeing in the moment. And Jesus says, no, here's the plan. The plan is not for you to physically come with me because spiritually I'm going to be with you forever. I will not leave you nor forsake you, right? So, but, but here's the plan. The plan is for you to go back. Oh, come on, somebody. What a homecoming. Can you imagine the family? Can you imagine the wife? Can you imagine maybe the children that have not seen their father in his right mind with clothes on? <laughs> for years? Showing up one day, and, and, and I can imagine him knocking on the door and them opening the door. Hi, can I help you? Because I don't recognize him. Right? And him saying, it's me. Me, me who? It's me, your husband. <gasps> can you imagine the shock? Because he's not screaming. He's got clothes on. He's smiling. Hopefully he took a bath before he went back to, you know, and, and the first question they're going to ask is, how? Because we tried. We went out to find you. We sent teams of people to try to constrain you and bind you so that we could try to help you. And you broke the, what was in you was stronger than anything we brought to help you. How is it that you are standing here in your right mind like you used to before? I would imagine him saying, first of all, I ain't like I used to be. I'm better than I ever been. And secondly, one word to all your questions Jesus. How is it that I'm set free? How is it that I'm in my right mind? How is it that I'm coming home? Jesus set me free. That's what Jesus sent him home to do. He had a house. <laughs> Jesus' goal was not only to deliver him, but it was also to send him home to his family. One set free life can reach exponentially more for the glory of God. See, if you share your story, it'll reach more people. If you share your story, it gives more glory unto our God and our Savior. The mess of today is not the whole story. It's only a chapter. Let me encourage you. If you're going through a mess right now, Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith. Your story is not over yet. Listen, I'm speaking it over you right now. Your story will not end with depression. Your story will not end with suicide. Your story will not end with frustration and disappointment. Your story will not end with, di with divorce. Your story will not end with anything the world is coming at you. All hell might be coming against you, but listen, all hell is going to have to bow down to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus is on your side. And here's what you got to understand and be encouraged with. If God is on your side, it's not a fair fight. If God is on your side, the scales are tipped in your favor. I got a question for you. Why did Jesus allow this miracle to happen in this way? Why did he do it this way? Why did he allow a legion of demons to go into the pigs? I don't think it has anything to do with pork and bacon. 
Some might argue that. I don't think that's the issue there. Okay, so enjoy bacon <laughs> tomorrow morning for breakfast. I think the answer, believe it or not, is even verbalized by the legion. When they said, when they called him son of the most high, <laughs> God, I think Jesus wanted to demonstrate his power and his love is far greater than that of the enemy. See, it comes down to the numbers. And what he's trying to demonstrate is that it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. See, Jesus knew the name. He didn't have to ask him. You know, there are people who have made built ministries on talking to demons and asking them their names. I think it's the most ridiculous thing. Because you know what I think they're doing? I think they're taking advantage of people. Those aren't real pastors. Those are wolves. Yep, I'll call them out. Anybody that will put somebody on stage that's got some kind of demonic thing going on in them and exploit them and talk to the demon. I don't, that's not why Jesus did this so that so others could start ministries to put hurting, suffering people on stage and exploit their pain. That's not what the purpose is. You know what I believe the purpose is? See, you got to, you got to, you got to, you see, it's why we study and listen to the Holy Spirit. What does Jesus allow? See, the demons aren't in control of nothing. God's in control. He could have said, and he's done it before. Shut up. He could have just said, shut up, get out. But instead he says, what's your name? Jesus wanted the spirits to publicly declare that they were a legion. Listen, in my visual way, I imagine Jesus looking back at his disciples and saying, watch this. Why? Because it's one Jesus against thousands of demons. What is he showing? He's showing that no matter how much the enemy throws at you, one Jesus is more than enough to have victory, to have freedom, to have breakthrough over whatever. Listen, the enemy can throw the best he's got at you, but the best he's got cannot match what Jesus has. I think he wanted the devil to say his name just so he could then do the miracle and demonstrate. It don't matter how many thousands there are of you. All of you have to obey one word from one Jesus. You know, you know what I thought of when I snapped right there? I'm so crazy. I, I, thought, of, I thought of Thanos. <laughs> see, see, Jesus is like a good Thanos. He wears the... the the glove with all the stones in it, right? And no matter how many is coming against him, Jesus can just go, bam, <laughs> and just expel. <laughs> That's all right. Next time y'all watch Avengers, you're going to remember that. <laughs> Come on, Jesus, Jesus, snap your finger over my life. As I, as I close, I'm going to ask the, the, the worship team to come back up. The power of your God is far greater than the power of the enemy. Please don't forget this. With God on your side, it's never a fair fight. The scale is always tipped in your favor. See, the simple math of, his, of it is this. And see, here's what the demons know. They know this. And they try to deceive us so that we feel outnumbered. The reality is we're not outnumbered. They are. Scripture tells us that when Lucifer tried to exalt himself above God, that he was expelled from heaven and that a third, everybody say one third, one third of the angels committed treason, if you will, and they went with them, becoming demonic entities. That means two thirds are left over.
and they're not the leftovers. They're the faithful. One-third left, two-thirds stays. There are twice as many working for you than there are against you. Stand to your feet with me. I've been there where I felt like all hell was coming against me. I've been there where I felt like, God, I can't take one more thing. I've been there where I've taken whatever little energy I had trying to do this in my strength, trying to find, fix this problem in my strength, in my strength, just to find myself frustrated because it failed. And so you know what this story speaks to us? If we can look beyond the subheadings in our scripture of the garrison demoniac and look at a man who was a son, who was a husband, who was a father, who for whatever reason this legion possessed him, he's hurting, he's tormented, he's lost. And everything he's done in his strength has only prolonged his torture until he sees Jesus. And finally, he takes what strength he has. And instead of trying to fix his problem in his way, he uses that strength to get to the feet of Jesus. With your heads bowed right now, I want to encourage you right now as we pray. Take whatever you got left. Don't go to a bottle. Don't go to a relationship. Don't go to Instagram. Don't go to anything artificial and temporary. No, go to the one who was all powerful. The one who'll never leave you nor forsake you. The one who says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Take your neck. Listen, if it's your last ditch effort, it's the best option you got. Take it. Take your last energy. Take your last hope. Take even if it's your last breath. If you think it's your last breath, the woman that had the meal and the oil, she said it's the last we got. We're going to eat it and die. And what did the man of God say? No, give a little. Oh, come on, somebody. Give a little bit to God. Lift your hands if all you got is a little bit. Give it to Jesus. It's no small thing to give it to Jesus. It's a big thing to give it to Jesus. What did the demoniac see coming up on the shore? They sang it earlier. He saw the way maker. He saw the miracle worker. He saw the promise keeper. He saw the light in the darkness. He saw hope for his future. And he gave it to Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, meet each and every person here today right where they are. Meet them in their pain. Meet them in their frustration. Meet them in depression. Meet them in suffering. Meet them in hopelessness. Meet them in the darkness and be their light. You are the way maker. You are the promise keeper. You are the miracle worker. You are here today to set them free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. There's freedom in Jesus. Reach out to him. He loves you. He cares for you. There's hope in him and him alone. God bless you. This word encouraged you today. 
If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.